earnings season kicks off and Wall Street traders are left and not very enthused about it because we actually saw stocks drop, which has actually been par for the course in 2024. But our guest today, he caught it right last year. Zero is from the point to point telling us what the markets were going to do. What's he going to say now that we have actually missed the Santa Claus rally? Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny, and I'm guessing still cool, Scottsdale, still Arizona. Cold. Look at this. I got a freaking vest on. But I, you know what? The heat got fixed last night at about 8 o'clock. So finally, I, won't be, I won't be as bitchy as I was the rest of the week. <laughs> well, that's great. It should make for a great show. Well, joining mm. us today, who's coming back to the to buy, hold, sell, is Jeffrey Hirsch. He is the editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Happy New Year, man. How you doing? Happy Sandy. New Year to Todd, you as well. When you're a professional announcer, you say welcome back. To buy, sell, hold. Okay. Welcome I, back. Welcome back. Okay. Well, I'm talking. such a regular. Guests. Welcome back. I know. I, <laughs> I'm like a, I'm not a special oh. guest star anymore. I'm just uh, I'm part of the cast. That's right. That's right. Definitely. You're you're a buy, hold, sell contributor. So yes, we, exactly. we do. Yes, we'll put the press release out about it as well. But Jeff, I do want to start with you because last year we had you on the beginning of January. You were you were very thoughtful about explaining what the Santa Claus rally is, and here. We, we, we had everything that we saw in the markets, wire to wire. You did great. You called everything, even the sell-off in the August and September. What's in store for 2024? What about 22? 22? Oh, yeah, you were yeah, great then, too. too. But that's ancient history now for oh, Wall Streeters. We want to know what is going to happen this year. Well, we're set up for, you know, positive action. Not quite as bullish as last year. You see election years strong in general, stronger when we have a sitting president running, despite the polls. That's just the fact that there's the potential for a continuation of similar policies. But Santa Claus has failed to call and the first five days are down. So that's two strikes of our January indicator trifecta. The full month barometer uh, kind of holds the key at this point. If that's up, that'll you know give us some more encouragement. But these are not binary indicators. It's not like a technical indicator where you're looking for a trigger to buy or sell based upon something specific. This is a warning. Start doing you know, more homework. Look at your other research, your other analysis. So we're a little concerned, but we're still bullish for, for you know, 2024. We're looking for an 8 to 15% gain on average, our, our base case scenario. But this weakness in January is, is quite common uh, in election years. We've seen January also... Uh, uh, subject to a lot of profit taking the last couple of decades or so since 2000. Um, One of the reasons we created the um, January indicator trifecta was because the barometer was getting impacted by all this selling and profit taking in January. So we combined the three of them, the Santa Claus rally first five days Mm. in the January barometer. We also see election year, the election year pattern where there's some weakness in the first part of the year as the campaigning heats up and the mud gets slung. We're seeing that already. You know, we're hot mics with people dropping out and and uh, uh, the caucus is, um, you know, and I was happening uh, within a couple of next week, right? Like three or four days. Yeah, it's next week. It's happening Monday, as a matter of fact. Is it Monday? It's Monday. Monday, It's seven o'clock, seven o'clock in Iowa. The caucus starts. Um, they are anticipating a gigantic apocalyptic snowstorm. Oh, so I'll be interested to see like, like Iowans, the rain you know, last weekend in New York. Okay, yeah, I, Iowans are hardy people, so I think they'll still turn out. I'm not worried about it. So you know, um, it is 
it is the only we're the only democracy in the world that still has these caucuses. And I, I sort of love the uh, concept of you getting the neighbors together and you're you know you're voting and yeah. and then somebody's saying, weren't you dating my daughter last week? Listen, you blah blah blah. I I, I saw a a video of like a hidden camera in the caucus or a caucus last year. It was it's, man, it's it was like uh, one of those daytime talk shows where people are yelling yeah. at each other. Yeah, I mean it was. Aren't we here to like elect a presidential candidate? No, you know what? Your dog came over and ate one of my pigs. It was well, hilarious. It- well, you have that, and then after that is obviously New Hampshire. So that's right. going to really, really tell the tale, especially if you have a couple of candidates on the GOP side drop out after the results of the caucus. But with that, though, I remember what you said before, is that with the incumbent, as long as the incumbent runs, doesn't matter if they win or lose, as long as they run, historically speaking, you would see the markets rise on average 8%. We had Sam Snowball. no. no. Well, when there's no. a sitting president running, it's more than that. It's 12.8% on average for the S&P with the sitting Even president better. running. I the average of eight is I about the election year average. Okay. Sorry? Yeah, yeah. What's so the other, thing, the other thing I want to just remind everybody about here is, you know, the reason why January election years and the beginning of election years is kind of weak is because what happens prior is, remember we talked about that sweet spot of the four-year cycle, the pre-election year, yeah. the big rally, the Q4 rally in, in pre-election year is super strong. And as I pointed out, you know, that look, that move from the midterm low to the pre-election year high is about 48% in Dow, 60% in NASDAQ. And then what I've shown is that you see a good cluster of those new, of those annual highs, not all-time highs per se, in the pre-election year happen in December. And a lot of them at or very near the last trading day of the year, which did happen last year. So therefore, you would, you know, not be shocked that there would might be some consolidation or selling or profit taking in the new year after such a great run. So that kind of you know, leads to this this early election year weakness, which we're seeing. So, but fundamentally, not much has changed. You know, economy is about the same. Inflation's cooling, but not super cool, you know? Right, right. Now I get that. I see what you're saying. I mean, Toby, you got some interesting thoughts on this. I mean, with the current market action, it's been slightly flatlined. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think what, you know, I think what's interesting now is, Again, I'm just going back to like being a money manager in a mutual fund where you have to put money out. You can't, you know, be in cash, right? The safe trade, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD, uh, SMCI. I mean, of our basket of AI uh, picks and shovels, eight of the 12 are the top performing stocks so far this year. Did you Uh, just put SMCI in the same group as those stocks? Yeah, I do, because you introduced it to me years ago. Of course, I claim that I found it. So, you know, screw you, Hirsch. But uh, Brilliant minds. Brilliant yeah. minds. But, uh, but anyway, but it, it is, in other words, you're sitting there. you got a whole bunch of cash that came in for the beginning of the year. You had all these people sitting on cash. And I just don't want to rush into tier two uh, tech stocks. I don't, I don't want to rush into more economically sensitive. But... When you get the surveys week after week on on AI spending in general, I mean it is a it is a massive transformational change. That's why I call my company Transformity Research, by the way. And um, the whole spin here now is like the CEOs are talking to each other, going, "What are you doing, Bob? What are you doing, Charlie? What are you guys doing?" Um, and at least in, in, in my world, in the our tech alliance, our guys are working their tails off, they're spending their tails off, and they can't, for instance, on SMCI, they're backed up now, uh, almost three and a half, four weeks to deliver their supercomputer uh, disk 
By the way, Jeff, I was going out to a client of mine in San Jose a couple of weeks ago, and I fly into San Jose Airport. We drive to Fremont. Every building there is SMCI on the side of the freeway. I mean, every what? building. They, uh, yeah. they have gotten so big. But who knew that they would be the largest NVIDIA chip buyer? And who knew they were going to be the largest uh, you know, computer stack builder for AI? And right. um and then AI, is, right AI is the real deal now. It seems to yeah. be that type of technology that changes the world. Like you know, part of the super boom equation that we've discussed. Remember that thirty-eight A twenty forecast. There's that that culturally enabling paradigm shifting technology, like the like the microprocessor before it, and, yeah. and indoor plumbing and stuff like that that changes individuals' lives everywhere and the world's you know the the planet's life collectively. So I, I think you know it's 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 amazing. That, well, it's, um, I mean, it, but the, again, sort of the this point year. is, it's, it, there's an arms race between the larger companies, you know, right down the, and if you're a small company and nimble, and you're really tech focused, you can absolutely kick some butt here, because the simple stuff, it, it, you just lose about 15% of your staff simply because you don't have to say, hey, Jeff, would you go look up what was the interest rate uh, in uh, February of, of you know 1994? Okay, boss, I'll get it for you half an hour later. Now you speak it into your computer and you get the answer in, in three seconds. If you want a deeper answer, you can you know prompt it in a way that says, give me all the color, et cetera, et cetera. For me, it probably saves me 15 hours a week. Um, and, uh, and I'm not copying any uh, copy from Mr. Hirsch. I just want you to know that. Oh, it's all built into the AI. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Hey, Jeff, before we go to the break, last year, you were very good about really strategizing using that almanac. You really, you were telling us when we were going to see like the bigger parts of the market growth, which obviously happened in the fourth quarter. And you also really predicted, like I said before, the August and September sell-off. What are you seeing this year as far as a blueprint goes? And what's the Almanac telling us? The Almanac is telling us that um, slight weakness in, in the first quarter through March, it sees that that election year kind of weaker seasonally, uh, not down, just kind of flat. And then, you know, we, we wait till we get through the the um, uh, conventions in the summer. Again, Q2, Q3 could be some uh, uh, negative periods. But the last seven months of election years are always up. And... Hmm. You know, even if we, we get the like this, this sitting president doesn't win, which whatever you think, there is something I call this ding dong, the witch is dead effect. So when <laughs> you have an unpopular president that's ousted, the market rallies um, after, you know, it's been down and, and that and that individual, you know, loses. So it, it begins to you know materialize as we see what some of the market uh, action is here. Uh, I'm really keen on on what we get out of January. The January barometer uh, is going to be instructive, but you know, right now it's it's a very typical seasonal year. Up, you know, slightly into the March April period, and then flat through you know Q2 Q3, and then up again fourth quarter. Um, you know, typical seasonal action. Um, not nowhere as near as powerful as uh, the pre-election years last year, which yeah. which just came true to form. Well, you're. Uh... So uh, uh, the Almanac, now that I've grown to understand it and, and read it, do we? Can, are you going to start to divide a little bit into sectors? Are there also seasonal sectors? Uh, sure. That... Um, I mean, we do that. We've been doing that for a long time. There's a whole uh, page uh, on there uh, where all of the sector seasonalities are there. So 
Right now, um, we got into energy, uh, like the uh, XLE, you know, the energy stocks and, and uh -huh. copper uh, in December. Uh, several sectors went, you know, green. And in, in the October period, there's a whole basket of those that are out there. A lot of stuff's on hold right now. Natural gas took a, a, a tick up earlier um, than, than seasonally, you know, the way it's seasonally drawn up. But that low usually comes around February. There's this December to February period for for oil, notwithstanding the the you know macro events that are going on yeah. in the world, there's a, a little heat uh, across the, the you know the other side of the world um, right now. Uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the news from yesterday. Um, doesn't yeah. seem to be having a huge impact yet, but um, there's a lot of sectors in play right now. Tech, small caps. I wanted to ask you guys uh, yeah. about small caps. Um, you know that seasonal effect, the, the January effect, which is sort of like the December to February effect. Came early as well. We got into the IWMs back in October with our, our SMACD best months buy signal. But um, I'm sensing that the small cap effect is waning, uh, uh, you know, a little bit in general. And also this this year, I think we might have seen the the, the bulk of the run in small caps. Uh, it just technically feels like it's, you know, stopped going up and starting to turn over here. Well, <clears throat> I remember that the IWM and the, and the small caps are, are weighted a lot towards financials. So when, you know, interest rates started coming down, they got a nice boost because they always get a nice boost if their cost of funds goes down. Then we they've sort of flatlined. And and then there's, you know, there's problems out there uh, in the insurance land and there's, there's problems with uh, claims. You know, it's funny, I, I love watching sports where you get the ads for uh, all the insurance companies, all the silly ads. Go look at your auto insurance bill. Our, our, you know, ours is up 14 and a half, 15 percent and nothing. Haven't had an accident, haven't had a red light, haven't had anything. Yeah. Um, you look at homeowner down in Florida. My Lord, in California, I have friends in San Bernardino that can't. It's not like Florida where you're if you have a million dollar house, you're paying seventy thousand dollars a year in mortgage insurance if you're in a you know flood zone or a right. so so we actually are long some of these um, catastrophe bonds because man I, you know the yields are ridiculous we're getting like 21 percent yield on some of these um catastrophe bonds um okay so that's that's that has nothing to do with the government that has to do with sort of the weather and global warming or whatever you want to call it uh but yeah but man i i i I could not imagine like being an upper middle class person moving down to Tallahassee to take a great job with your taxes cut about 40 percent, leaving New York or California and then getting your first homeowners, uh, you know, insurance bill and going, what? Did somebody right. like put a, put a mortgage on my house? And you know, what's going on? You don't have a uh, 18 year old driver on your car insurance policy right now, do you? Tell I'm sorry. <laughs> You don't have an 18-year-old driver, uh, a male, on your insurance. No, I no, I do not. That, that increases a lot more than the um, the percentage, uh, 20 yeah. 30 percent yes. that you might get annually. Well, I well, can tell you yeah. for the absolute memory, my dad died when he was 19, right? when we were 19, right? But at 16.1, my brother gets an, a, a speeding ticket, my twin brother, and the but the month later we get the farmers insurance bill and let's just again this is nineteen seventy you know but but the his bill got doubled because a sixteen year old got a speeding ticket yep I, the guy fought World War Two he was PT boat one oh nine and one oh eight you know he lost I mean tough as nails he lost it he just ripped everybody because man. 
the auto insurance when you have kids get used to it big boy oh yeah no doubt about that well um you know jeff uh unless the uh toby's limousine driver is 18 i don't think he has to worry about that right now so <laughs> plus <laughs> absolutely plus so listen Okay. <laughs> Let's leave it right there on this block, guys, because coming at coming back or coming up after the break, I should say, tongue twisted today. Um, we're going to ask Jeff what happens if the January barometer does not come come through for us, and we want to know what what that means for the markets and the risks ahead. So, joining us today is Jeffrey Hurst. He is the editor in chief of the Stock Traders Almanac, and we'll be right back with buy hold sell after the break. Yeah, and, and I want to know the best sectors first. The top three. That's what I want to know. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast hi my name is sarah and i want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. I'm Jessica Inskip from the Market Make Her podcast and Director of Education and Product at Options Play. You're listening to Buy, Hold, Sell with Tobin and Todd. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, with us today, we have Jeffrey Hirsch, who is the editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. As everybody knows that watches Buy, Hold, Sell, you would know that Jeff Hirsch actually caught it from January to December of last year. He even had a great record in 2022, but we all want to know what he's doing now. Okay, that, that's history. That's history for crying out loud. How many times can you, like, freaking polish his head? And it's part of my contract. 
It's important for the audience to know that we only bring on the A-listers, the tier right. one guests that actually accurately predict what's happening in the markets. So, Jeff, let's start talking sectors right now. Tell us what the Almanac is telling us for the favorite sectors of 24. Well, we don't do favorite sectors for the year. We have a seasonal sector trades. Okay. Um, so we get into the sectors. We do our annual fall buying spree right around uh, middle October, when we just ahead of the best months, and we get into a whole host of sectors: healthcare, tech, uh, telecom, transport, semiconductors, dis- consumer discretionary, etc. We are selling, and this was as of uh, last week. Um, telecom and semiconductors, their sort of seasonal run ends in January. It was a huh. big move there. Good sell for us. Our, coming in to the portfolio is copper and energy energy stocks, not not the commodity. So the XLE, which we got into at about eighty one and a quarter. Global copper miners, the Copex was a thirty four fifty buy limit price uh, buy price. Uh, we didn't get the CPER, the copper, the United States copper, the the underlying commodity sector. And what you see is that in December. The energy stocks tend to bottom. They kind of, you know, give us a nice opportunity here mid-December. And copper and copper uh, miners do as well. It's kind of a lull in the, you know, construction building season where all the copper is used. It seems to be a a pretty consistent seasonal low. Um, And that's, you know, sort of the overall sector look that that we have right now. Um, But you don't figure, Jeff, you don't figure in. Uh, China's GDP or the building in China, since they're the largest buyer of copper in the world? I believe China has the same winter we do. Um, <laughs> and I think that they're, it's all part of the lull. But no, not not that macro picture there. It's 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 a seasonal sector rotation strategy. Um, we will, you know, look at some of the, I mean, and that's a, a fantastic point. Um, but China's been in a bit of a lull, you know, economically. I, I'm not sure that that push is coming into it right now. I don't know you, you you probably have a better read on that. Um, but we do look at some of the influences and, you know, like with oil, uh, I don't see demand for energy, for, for oil and gas energy lessening at, at any time soon. So it, it's kind of got a, almost like a put underneath it um, in general. Uh, what was the uh, news with Hertz uh, yesterday or the day before where they got rid of 20,000 EVs? Because, you know, and I've been hearing a lot about the weight of these vehicles and how it wears on the tires. Um, Yes, there's less moving parts and less stuff going on, but they're just heavy and it hurts the roads and and, um, the tires. Uh, So there's, you know, some some fallback in in the, you know, uh, alternative energy vehicle stuff. And I think that's that's good for energy and oil and gas and natural gas was down in the dumps for quite a long time. And it's finally come out of its. Sums up like what fifty percent last quarter. Well, I mean, it's been it, cold too. Yeah, natural gas has in the United States is now we're the largest uh, LNG exporter. We're the largest LPG yeah. exporter. We're the largest oil exporter. You know, um, it's it, it is interesting the seasonality, as you say, on on energy, um, and and we're you know we're not we're not running too many uh, boilers that are putting out electricity anymore. We're certainly running a lot of natural gas. Uh, uh, utility uh, companies, um, but I, here's here's the one for again going back to uranium. Uranium yeah. doesn't really have a season, no. but but it 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 does have this situation where since most enriched uranium comes out of either Russia or Kazakhstan, 
Um, a, a and then B, we own a, a, a company, LEU is the ticker symbol, is Sonova. They're the only company in North America that actually creates, buys uranium and makes uranium. There, there's rich. uranium in North America. They're just not allowed to get it. They, yeah, but they're not, not allowed to get it. And then, then we only have one plant that's certified to upgrade it to usable uranium. I mean, right? just off on a tangent for a second, I yeah. think uranium and nuclear power is the solution to, to all of our Absolutely. woes. Everyone's just afraid of it. Right. Well, the ghost of Hiroshima and, and uh, other, you know, yes. parts of, I believe, dissipated. I, I, I did Chernobyl, watch the entire three movie. Three Island. Three hours, by the way. I saw it for three hours. Um, and it was great. Oppenheimer. But yes, there, there is there there is no choice. If you live in a politically a liberal state, you're not going to get nuclear power, which is always just incredibly silly. Since we California might- is the largest state. And they've only built two nuclear power plants in, ooh, I don't know, 40 years. We not we may not be allowed to get natural gas in New York. Right. Point. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah talk I mean, to Toby. I got Rice. a line going out to my grill. Uh, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to grill my my chickens and steaks? Propane, my brother. It's going to be tough for you. Yeah, be, things are, times hey, are tough. All right. But uh, Jeff, I want to hear about the. No free lunch stock. That's well, the that's one. what no. I was going to no, segue into because you're talking about chicken and steaks. Let's talk about the free lunch trade. <laughs> that's a buy, hold, sell exclusive. There you go. Uh, I wish it was. We already put it out, but I'll explain it to you. <laughs> it's called Wall Street's only free. Oh, you can't see it with my my virtual. Yeah, yeah, we can't see it. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put it in the uh, description. We'll make the it only free worry. lunch on Wall Street. Something that that Yale, my father, my late father came up with. You know, there's the the saying that you know there's no free lunch on Wall Street. Well, there is. There there can be one. Uh, again, it's a little catchy title. And what historically stocks are making new 52 week lows in mid December outperform. The composite, like the New York Stock Exchange through February 15th, that was in his, the old, you know, school pattern, plays on the January effect, not the January barometer, but the January yeah. effect of small caps up before the large caps in January. Jeff, we speak stock traders amnesia, okay? We have your we have your whole shizzle down. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. So we've shifted the day that we picked these new 52-week lows to the triple witching day before Christmas. Ah, got some good action on the day. Can you tell the audience what the triple witching day is so they don't think you're like doing cutting triple chickens' heads off? It's the day that stuff. options expire, stock options, index options, and index futures, the quarterly index futures. I do not subscribe to quad witching, which includes single stock futures and single debt futures. Last I checked, they amount to, uh, they don't amount to a hill of beans or whatever. They have no impact on the market. But um, the, I know that zero, you know, data expiration and all the weekly options are having an impact on put call ratios and all that kind of thing. But there still the seems VIX. to be the VIX, very true. And there still seems to be, but there still seems to be some action around triple witching, especially in December. We have a whole page on triple witching in the book, you know, September and June are weaker, March and December are stronger. But anyway, there's a lot of action, a lot of vol- volume on that day in December. It also gives us the weekend to sift through all these lows. We weed out Anything that's not a regular common stock, no preferreds, no new issues, no splits, nothing that's not a regular common stock that hasn't been trading for, for a year. And we then we pick the ones that are down the most. Um, we get rid of very thinly traded stocks, any fly-by-night, you know, China internet stocks or, you know, 
things that don't have that aren't on, uh, that aren't over a dollar because a lot of platforms, a lot of people can't trade stocks under a dollar on their certain brokerage platforms. And we want some volume and some market cap, like you know, hundred million and fifty thousand shares traded, whatever. And we put out that list, and very often I will buy them, buy the whole basket. Don't pick one. Don't try to be smart. Be picked from the Nasdaq, the American Stock Exchange, what's left there, and the New York. And the thing is, it's for nimble traders. You know, any these things can be real dogs, but they tend to pop. And if you get any big gains, you just take the profits. It's not, you're not holding on to these things. It's not like, oh, I found a great undervalued stock. It's just something that's beaten down, sold for tax loss selling purposes and top other stuff. Uh, and you just bought, try to get the, you know ride that bounce. So the, well, what was them, the water stock that you were talking about? Yeah. So it's, what is it? SCWO was the, was the ticker. 3-7 water. I mean, I don't even know what they do. <laughs> uh, something to do with water purification or something maybe but it it was trading at 104 105 was the low i bought it i you know and we put a a a, a three plus or minus three percent around the closing price of that day so if it trades below the the price on closing price on friday or above it just pass yeah and then a 15 percent trailing stop right so a few days ago i'm looking at it uh no no it might even been before the new year i'm looking at it lunchtime and this thing's up 24.84 25 for the day it's up 90 percent of the trade i asked my partner so well chris should i sell it he's like what do you mean Shit. yeah i mean yes so boom i sold it for like a dollar 99 or something some of them are come this is why i also think that the small cap run is all over a lot of these 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 free lunch stocks are starting to to, to come back, back off that pop uh i wish i had sold all of them there but you know it's yeah it's, uh, well i like I love the name. There is no free lunch. God bless your dad. It's the, o- a- the only free lunch. The on only, only free lunch. Uh, Jeff, Toby wants to know if there's going to be an early bird trade. Do you have anything like that in, in the works? <laughs> what does that mean? Stuff. He's referring January? to the Jerry Seinfeld show, going to the early bird. Oh, the early show. bird special. <laughs> yeah. um, not a bad name, Toby. Yeah, there you go. Let's come up with something. Jeff, oh, Jeff, I like that. Jeff, right now, Todd has actually had an original idea. I just heard it right now. <laughs> I'm buying the URL right now. So listen, exactly. so Jeff, before we close out the show, we have to talk about crypto. We have to talk about the SEC approving the spot Bitcoin ETFs. What's your opinion on this? Do you think that this is a good idea or a bad idea for investors? Um, seems like a sell on the news type of moment now. I I own a position in GBTC. I sold half on a double. Uh, we discussed my seasonal Bitcoin seasonality study that I put out last September, right around that seasonal low. Yeah. I picked up a few shares, small position, uh, early October. I think it was the 5th at about 2039. I sold half the other day just ahead of it i think the day before the the news came out i was like mm, yeah this could sell off then i kicked myself and i went up a little higher and now it's back below where i sold it at so i may be closing out the other half of that position um it looks kind of toppy the news doesn't seem to be great and gbtc has the the largest fee of all of them um and uh, and the, this world you know people just they want everything cheap on sale nobody wants to pay a fee even though you know there's a cost of doing business so well todd um, Todd, I will say this. What was intriguing to me, first off, that quote unquote, you know, st- tweet that was, or that, that that was, they didn't get hacked. That was totally freaking somebody uh, set up. I mean, there's no way, but no, it was but an then I knew, 
that then then it was going to be positive news and, and everybody had said it was going to be positive news. So there was, so maybe someone internally just said, all right, just screw it. I'm going to send this out. But yeah. what's intriguing to me is we had been long Coinbase, you know, when it just started to go vertical in, in November. And I kept, you know, we use trailing stops, automatic trailing stops. So if, as the stock goes up, the, the sell stop goes up. And then we also did it with our friends over at um, uh, Yieldmax on their on their high yielding uh, underlying their, the the uh, the. How much room did you give that on the trailing stop? I gave it left fifteen percent, and then I tighten it. You know, if it doubles, I get doubled. So then I tighten it to eight percent uh, or seven and a half percent, depending on. I it had never dawned on me so that. The, the miners have all sold off big time. I mean, Mara's down 25%. Um, you know, Riot, uh, all the guys. My, my favorite one's INEX, which uses nuclear power to mine, right? So, But it, it appeared that everybody used those miners as the proxy for Bitcoin because they couldn't get a Bitcoin ETF. Then they sold the miners to buy the, 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 the ETFs. Those ETFs traded $30 billion worth of, of Bitcoin. If you take all of the various ones that opened up for trading, I, I was staggered. On another another thought, I, I'm just I wonder if this whole approval and putting it under the regulatory guise of a market regulator sort of undermines the entire decentralized finance yeah. aspect of the whole thing. I mean, first of all, it's it's I mean, what's the intrinsic value of it? The ETFs buying it now that it's being regulated, how does this whole you know, anonymous secret worlds continue to stay that way when it's when it's under the scrutiny of the, the Securities Exchange Commission. Jeff, Jeff I, mean, I, I think you made a great point. We are long Ethereum, and Ethereum's done very well f- for us. Yeah. Simply because Ethereum actually has a use case. It is the underlying blockchain behind you know every other every crypto uh, coin, every crypto token, every crypto piece, and also for financial services in Brazil. Ethereum is the number one um, uh, technology for for changing money, particularly in Argentina, which we're going to this year, where the inflation rate was only 181 percent in the last uh, three months. Yikes. Um, I'm, I'm looking at I have a whole basket of them. I'm tracking all the new ETFs, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum is also down five percent today. MicroStrategy is down nine plus. Yeah. Mara is down 15 plus. Everything else is yeah. down about five, six percent or so. It's come off the low today, though. I'm glad I didn't sell it too pop. Well, I, I don't know. I'm looking at our Ethereum. We're up. We're still up a fair amount. But uh, yeah. but I, I, I just I, the logic, the only logic that makes sense to me is that that the people said, hey, I had, I had a great run in miners, by the way. But they took, you know, a fair amount of people took profits like day one, day two, uh, including us. But then they sort of rolled up again as they we're getting near the 12th. And everybody knew the 12th was the date or it had to be done before the 12th. And then they just crashed in the last 48 hours. Yeah. I, I don't know what that means other than the fact that people are taking profits or that they're switching in to go into the Bitcoin, uh, the real stuff, not, not the proxy. But that surprised the heck out of me. Well, I wish it's I all down 5% today. The miners down more. I, I just, I, it seems like a technical top. Yeah. Well, I, obviously, people had a lot of sell stops on those things because they got up so much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just for the people at home, if you put a sell stop underneath an ETF or a stock or an option, for that matter, and you make it a market sell stop, then if the stock's going down, 
then you're you're going to put that sell order in at market, which means that you're going to take another five or six percent haircut just because there's too much there. Jeffrey, on stops, I only use them as a mental stop. I do not put stops in the market for market ah. makers to hit. So, like on our stock trading, we use it on a closing basis. So, if the stock closes below our stop level, we'll go in the next day and exit the stock, and then I will personally go in and like split the bid and ask with a limit order yeah. and, and track it. When I, and I become like a little bit of a day trader for a few moments or whenever, or I'll, and I'll put it in good to cancel and then I'll check on it later. And, you know, it, it tends to work. It's, it's, it's hands-on. It's not science. It's not trigger. It's a little art, but um, that, that's how what works. Well, Jeff, that's a, that's a great point because I guarantee you that Mara or Riot or Humvee or whatever the heck is, uh, a hive for them to drop 15, 20% in a day, that is a, you know, cavalcade, a cascade of market sell orders that as, as you know, and maybe people at home always don't know, there's someone in the middle called a market maker. There's a reason why Ken Griffin makes $71 billion a year making markets in these things. So they, yeah. they don't care. They're already short and long and all they're doing is take a little piece all the way. But when you have right. those market orders, the market maker takes advantage of it. That's what they're trained to do. I have good friends who are market makers. And when they see on their screen all these markets sell, they're going to hit them. Bam. They just oh, yeah. hit them. And yeah. it, it just exacerbates uh, the, the downward movement. So because true. the other market makers are looking and saying, hey, I'm, I'm not getting near that thing either. Right. So it, right. It's, it's somewhat a self fulfilling uh, a feedback loop, shall we say? Well, well next next up should be the. Uh, the the Ethereum uh, ETF because Ethereum. There is Ethereum. You can buy Ethereum. <laughs> what what planet do you live on, Todd? He's from upstate oh, New York. God. <laughs> but you can buy the futures contracts on that one, and uh, so you can only suspect that they, you will have an ETF out there. But after that, well, probably won't actually, find other crypto. Yeah, you uh, do have EETH. EETH is the Ethereum. It's from ProShares. Actually, that's more of a Baltimore E's accent, right? <laughs> yes, and speaking of, go Ravens on that on that note, no doubt about it. Been so listen, we're going to leave it there. Jeff, how can everybody find you and the Stock Traders Almanac? Because I know you still have some copies out there that could be sold to to investors. Oh, not a whole lot. We're running out. So uh, uh -oh. we're, we're saving them for people who take out the subscription service. You know, you can Google Stock Traders Almanac, but you should go to my website, StockTradersAlmanac.com with the S, Stock Traders. Almanac, and uh, you can you know either take out a free trial or see what our deal is. If you click on Get STA, you'll see the uh, best deal out there um, with a ah. uh, the discount code. You know, Todd, Todd, I rush to the mailbox every day looking for my traders stock traders almanac coming in, and you know I've been a little disappointed. You, you, uh, I am remiss in my duties. Um, do I have your? Address? What do they say? What do they say in Queens? I'm just busting balls. Okay. Email me your address. Love it. Don't give it out right now. The audience will be sending all kinds of things. So, but, <laughs> and So, our very good. Right, coming, up ne coming up next week on Buy Hold Sell, we have a very special show coming up. Toby is actually going to be hosting the show with JC Peretz and Matt Toddy. He's a former stuntman 
turned trainer. So that's going to be just an action-packed show, and we can't wait to have that. We also have Gina Martin Adams coming on, Mitch Rochelle, Barbara Durant. We have even have ESPN's Chris Cotter who's going to be joining us. Oh so my much God. to look forward to. So it's going to be wonderful. But on, on the well, thank you, Jeff, once more for joining us today on Buy Hold Sell. We can't wait to have you back again. Me too. All right, you guys take care and everyone have a great weekend. We'll catch you next time on Buy Hold Sell. Buy Hold Sell brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Welcome, change agents, to your go to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.